Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So I'm going to do, if you weren't here uh, last time, I'm going to do a quick recap of what I shared last time. And we were looking in John chapter 14, and I looked at the first 14 verses of this chapter. And we uncovered um, in this that troubled hearts are comforted in Jesus. It's the next slide as well. I put it up on this uh, PowerPoint just so it to help us. We uncovered that troubled hearts are comforted in Jesus. We trust in him because of who he is, and this in turn brings about comfort. He goes before us, has prepared a way, and one day we who believe will be reunited with him once more. It's a great thing that is ahead of us, something that we can hold on to. We also uh, understood that Christ is the way revealed. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to God because he is the truth from God and the life from God. He embodies God's supreme revelation, God's truth, as well as contains and imparts divine life in us who believe and trust in his name. He is the way to follow for each and every single one of us. His deity was also confirmed in this discourse to his disciples. The revelation of the Father revealed to disciples. And this is also revealed to us through the word. When we look at the word of God, we see Christ, the deity of Christ, his sovereignty revealed to us. Yet sometimes we, like Philip did, still require proof before we believe in faith. Jesus combated that question in those first 14 verses. And then we looked at how greater things come through him. Those of us who believe in him, we are Christ's representatives, living for his purpose, which in turn brings glory to the Father. There was a lot in those 14 verses, wasn't there? But there's more to unpack and more to discover together. Now today, if some of you are aware, today is what's called Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Yeah. This was the day when the Holy Spirit came on those that were waiting, empowering them for service. And it's the birth of the church as we now are living in today. And often the focus on this Sunday is Acts 1 and 2. What Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We also read in those passages how the Holy Spirit came upon them, empowering them. And this was accompanied by signs and wonders, more for the benefit of the unbelievers than the believers. I am focusing today on what Jesus said before the crucifixion. The promise that was in his words about that which was to come, which you and I live in today. His words for his disciples, but aspects of which are for us who believe. And so we're going to focus on John chapter 14. And last time I did it in sections. Today I'm giving you the whole shebang. We're going to read from verses 15 all the way through to verse 31. And then I shall break this down for us today, focusing on what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. So we read, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. 
the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. There is a lot in that second part as well. And like I said, I want to focus on what Jesus revealed about the Holy Spirit, that which was to come and that which we're now living in today. The emphasis in this whole section, first and foremost, is that loving others and faith in Christ are what demonstrates obedience to him. Love for Jesus will motivate those of us who believe in him. They will motivate us to obey him. If we love him, we will obey what he says. Love for Jesus would result in the disciples' obedience to his commands. Now, I looked up a, um, an analogy that kind of demonstrates what I'm trying to say. There was, this is an analogy, this is not a true story, just putting it out there. You'll understand why when I share it. There was a boy, or a, a, we could say a teenager, that wanted to climb a mountain. He saw this mountain, so he said, I'm going to climb it. So he starts ascending up, up this mountain. But as he was climbing, he could suddenly see that the weather was coming in. The mist was starting to close in, and darkness was about to fall. So he thought, I better get off the mountain. So he started to clamber down that mountain as fast as he could. If some of you have climbed mountains, you sometimes know that actually climbing down is sometimes a lot harder than climbing up. Now, he clambered down that mountain, but the mist was closing in. It was getting darker and darker and darker. That he couldn't see two steps in front of him. He tripped, and as he tripped, he saw a branch. He reached out. He grabbed the branch and held on for dear life. It was now dark. 
the mist was so thick that he couldn't see he couldn't see directly in front of him. He couldn't see the feet below him. He was surrounded by this mist, this fog, and the darkness. Desperate, he cried out and said, Is anybody there? Can anybody help me? Can anybody save me? And through the mist came this voice, I am here. I can help you. When he asked, Who is that? It re- the voice replied, I am God. I'm here to help you. This boy cried out, help me. And God said, let go of the branch. That teenager couldn't let go. But I will surely die. God said, let go of that branch. That teenage boy did not listen. He hang on to that branch. So desperately, he couldn't let go. Unfortunately, he didn't make it until morning. Now, when the villagers in the nearby town came up to the mountain, the minster cleared. It was now daylight. And they saw this teenage boy that's still hanging from this branch. And what they saw was his feet was two feet above the ground. He didn't listen. His eyes said something different. All you had to do was listen and obey. And sometimes it can be like that for us. As Jesus was saying for his disciple, if you love me, you obey what I command, even if it's a difficult thing to do. Jesus gave his disciples many instructions, instructions even to us through this word. And if we love him, as I said before, we will obey him. We will trust in him. Because Jesus' time was imminent, Jesus revealed another divine helping presence that will help aid the disciples in his absence. This presence is with us now, today, guiding us, helping us to be obedient to God. And so the first thing that we see that Jesus revealed about the Holy Spirit is that he is our counselor. He is our helper. That's the next slide, Lorraine, if you've got that. He is our counselor, and he is our helper. Jesus was the disciple's counselor whilst with them. But since he was going, he promised to send another helper, another counselor, to take his place in his absence. One who would help aid their continual obedience. This giving of the Spirit was possible only after Jesus was glorified. He had to return to the Father in order for the Holy Spirit to come. If if Jesus stayed with his disciples, there would be no need for the Holy Spirit because Jesus was still with them. He was paving a way. So due to it being imminent that Jesus was going to go to be with the Father, he focused on preparing his disciples for the age of the Spirit. This is the age we're living in now. The Holy Spirit is with us, speaking to us, ministering to us, guiding us, instructing us to be obedient to God and his word. Now when I was looking into this passage, that word counselor is often translated into different words depending on the translation. And then when I was looking into the Greek, it's this word parakletos. It's the next slide. There we are. It's this word parakletos. 
and it's proved difficult to translate into an exact English equivalent. So there are many different meanings that have been applied to it. One is the word that's we, that I've used, which is counselor, and it conveys a primary focus on emotional or psychological aspects. Some would prefer our legal counselor or our advocate. We see the Holy Spirit referred to as helper, more neutral, but it also lags, lacks this legal connotation, this legal meaning that is applied to the Holy Spirit. In other biblical translations, there are several meanings that can be used, some called comforter, some as encourager. The root meaning of the word is one called alongside to help. I like that one. One called alongside to help. Even though it's uncertain whether the first century users referred to the Holy Spirit in this way. Now, according to some theologians, helping presence is the preferred um, meaning in the preferred application. Because this is what Jesus was when he was with his disciples. He was their helping presence, directing them in his way, in his truth, in the life that would come through him. It encompasses the various functions of the Spirit that we read within Scripture. It also can have that legal connotation. If we were to read in John 16, through 7 to 11, you read how the Holy Spirit convicts. It judges us as well if we're not living in conformity to what Jesus outlines in his word. Now, Jesus was stating that the Holy Spirit, this helping, praise, uh, helping presence, was a replacement for himself until he would return. The disciples would not be left as orphans. You and I, we are not on our own. Whenever we're, we feel like we're on our own, we can cry out in prayer, the Holy Spirit is with us. Our guide, our comfort, our encourager, our helper, our counselor, he's alongside of us to help keep us in step with God and his way. You are never alone. That's a comfort for us. That's a reassurance for us. Leon Morris said this, the Spirit is a divine present presence when Jesus' physical presence is taken away from his followers. In the Old Testament, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was moving, but it only came on certain believers temporarily to give them strength, empower them for a period of time, but normally did not remain. Jesus revealed through the promise of the Holy Spirit an abiding permanent relationship, a distinct relationship not to be taken for granted. He doesn't come and then goes away. He is with us always. That's an amazing thing to take hold of. In Romans 8, verse 9, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ in the age in which we live possesses the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's poured out into their lives. Our guide, our comforter, our reassurance. This is the great mark of a Christian, is that the Spirit of God dwells in them. In them, through them, overflowing out of them. 
one theologian that I, I read, Dr. Thomas Constable, he says this, the baptism of the Spirit took place initially on the day of Pentecost. Since then, individual believers experience spiritual baptism when they personally trust Christ as their Savior. We are filled with the Spirit when we give our lives to God. He makes us a part of his family. Water baptism, as we've seen today, illustrates this. Every, every believer experiences the filling of the Spirit. This is what Jesus promised to all that would hold into him, the helping presence for all who would believe. As Romans 8 states, if anyone does not have that Spirit, he does not belong to Christ. So we read that the Holy Spirit is our helping presence. But we also read that he's the spirit of truth. He bears, wit he bears witness to and communicates the truth. Now this designation is more straightforward, more understandable, and it encompasses several aspects. The Holy Spirit accurately accurately represents the truth regarding Jesus. That is truthfulness opposed to falsehood. To speak the truth means to make true rather than make a false statement. To represent the facts as they actually are. The Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of Christ. To us, through us, out to others. He imparts true knowledge of God. True knowledge of God. To be filled with the Spirit is the same to be controlled and moved by the Word. The Spirit of truth uses the Word of truth to guide us into the will and work of God. As we read his, the Word of God, it illuminates to us. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God, the truth of Christ, and then we bear witness to that truth. And the Holy Spirit works in both worship and this word sanctification, which is to be made more like Christ. Jesus mentions in John 16, 13, that the Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. God desires to be part of our daily journey through life, helping us and guiding us towards what is right. This should be a comfort to us. Like I said before, we're not on our own. We don't have to work it out on our own. We can trust in God. We can trust in him. We can pray to him, with him, and the Holy Spirit will guide us in the truth of his word. When we have questions about the right direction to take, the Holy Spirit is there to help guide us. When we are unsure of right and wrong, the Holy Spirit is with us to help bring light to our decision. Oh, what an amazing blessing that is. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit points back to Christ. See, this, the Spirit would teach the disciples all things. And now in the context that this was written... It was all things presently obscure and about which the disciples kept raising questions. If you read in the Gospels, the disciples ask a lot of questions, don't they? Time and time again, they're saying, they're asking God, what do you mean by this? What about this? How does that work? What about this? 
they raised question after question. The Holy Spirit would remind the disciples of what Jesus had said. When he was no longer with them, the Holy Spirit would say, remember this. And to us as well, we don't have Jesus physically with us, but we have the Holy Spirit with us that can point us back to what Jesus has said, and we can know, know it, apply it, take it, and live it out. The Holy Spirit continues his teaching ministry today, enlightening us, those of us who believe in him, as we study the teachings in the word. He is the truth and authoritative teacher of every one of us who believe. Me standing up here, I'm just a secondary teacher. I'm playing a serving role in this. That's why I've said it time and time again. Whoever speaks up here, don't take it at word value. Test and prove what is said in this place. Go back to the word of God. Pray into what has been said. Is this what your word says? Help me understand it as well for myself. And the Holy Spirit can help illuminate those things. The Holy Spirit, he lights up the spiritual meaning of Jesus' words and action, both to believers and through believers into an unbelieving world. We, as Christ's representatives, reflect the truth of God. The ministry of the Spirit remains closely linked with the person of Jesus. It points back to Christ as the Holy Spirit works in and through us. It reflects Christ in this world. Now we, as a church, must be careful that we do not lose focus. Jesus is the central teaching that we see throughout Scripture, as well as in the New Testament. And, we, and he must remain the central focus in the church. I found, I was reading up numerous, I was delving into the books as well as through scripture. And this theologian, Andreas Kostenberger, he says this. A church where miraculous manifestations of the spirit take center stage while the cross of Christ is barely ever preached demonstrably departs from the New Testament teaching on the person and role of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit's role is not to exalt himself, but to exalt Christ. As I said at the beginning of this message, Acts 2 is often referred to within the church. How the Spirit came upon those who were waiting and gathered. How they were filled with the Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues that were heard and understood by the Jews from the other nations gathered there. I challenge myself as well because I know I can fall foul to this. And this is why I'm bringing it this morning as well. Because I know in the church we must be mindful of this. We can fall foul to overemphasizing the signs and wonders of the Spirit. And in doing so, move our focus away from Christ. I was at the AOG, the Assemblies of God. We're Assemblies of God Church. And I was at the AOG National Conference this, this year, a few weeks ago. John, you were there as well. Um, it was a great time, really challenging words as well. And they had a guest speaker, Russell Evans. He was the co-founder of Planet Shakers Church in Australia. And now when he was sharing, he stated this, and it resonated with me so deeply. We've honored the sign instead of the son. 
And in doing so, the sign becomes an idol. God will move how he wants to move in our midst. We just got to let God move how he wants to move. You think back to earlier in this passage, in the first uh, verses in chapter 14. I shared it last time. Philip raised a question. Show us and that will be enough for me. That will be enough for us. And we can do the same. Just give us a sign. Show us and that would be enough. Let's just fix our eyes on him and let God be God. He will move how he wants to move in our midst. Instead of trying to manufacture, emphasize the miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we need to keep Christ as our central focus. He is the chief cornerstone of the church. Like I said, God will move how he wants to move. We've just got to fix our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, trusting in him, wanting to desire to be closer to him, and the Holy Spirit will move in our midst how he wants to move in our midst. We can easily forget one of the greatest blessings that come with the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. He shapes us into the image of Christ. And he enables us to serve unto him. When you look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the early church, it was an empowerment for service. It enabled those disciples who were hiding in the room, waiting in the upper room, to then be equipped, to then go, to then serve. We heard it a few weeks ago when my friend John shared about going. Some of us may be fearful of that. Some of us may be afraid to share our faith with others. But the Holy Spirit empowers us, equips us, directs us, so that we can be bold in our step in God pointing people back to Christ, our central focus. One of the greatest things we can understand through the promise of the Holy Spirit is that this helping presence is our source of peace. He is our source of peace. It's not an exemption from conflicts and trials. We weren't told we're going to have an easy life. I know when in my younger self, in my teenage self, I thought, well, that Christian life looks very, very, very great. Everyone's smiling. Everybody's happy. But you know it's a challenge. It's hard. There are rises and falls. We've heard with Guy in his testimony. There are challenges we face on a daily basis. But the Holy Spirit is our helping presence with us daily guiding us daily, instructing us daily, helping us fix our eyes in the word of God, pointing us back to the instructions of Jesus so that we do not lose our focus. We keep our eyes on him. We are walking in step his way, not our way, living out his truth, not what we think truth should be. It points us back to God. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We, Robert, I think Robin shared this a few weeks ago. He looked at a passage that I think many of us who know that passage will quote it in Philippians 4. 
about the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, about offering up our prayers and petitions to God. And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Holy Spirit is our source of peace. He's our comforter, our reassurer, reassurance. And my question to you this morning is, do we need a refocus? Are we focusing on the wrong thing? Are we caught up in the wrong thing? Is Christ-likeness our goal? Are we desiring to be more like him, to, to move, be moved by him, to be shaped like him? Sometimes the biggest move of the Holy Spirit in our lives are unseen. The fruit of which we will see further down the line as we continue to walk in faith and obedience, trust and love. It's, I always, I've said it before, the analogy I have is like a seed that you plant. You do not see the germination, that's the right word, of that seed for some time. It takes time to get its roots established in the soil before it starts showing itself to the rest of the world. And that's also the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Sometimes it takes time before we see the fruit. But it's there. It's there. So where are you this morning? Do you need to refocus? Are we, when we come and we gather together in our every day, are we desiring to seek Christ, to be more like him? Do we know that we're not on our own, that the Holy Spirit is with us, our guide, our comforter, our advocate, our helping presence, the one called alongside us to help? Do we believe these things? Do we know these things? Because that is a cause to rejoice. That's a cause to praise God. That he had this plan in place that we would not be alone. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centerchurch.uk.